0: Welcome to Soundbreaker. I'm your host, Bob Shammy. and we are about to break the silence. Join me as we go behind the scenes and meet some of the most influential names in the music industry. Get ready for remarkable success stories that break the norms and defy the odds. From dreams to success, from challenges to victory, an exclusive backstage pass into the lives of music trailblazers as they create their own path to success. This is Soundbreaker. Welcome to Soundbreaker. On today's episode with Jesse Corwin, who is a groundbreaker in the music industry. Thank you for joining us. For our listeners who might not be familiar with you, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do before we dig into it?
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, First of all, thanks for having me uh, on the podcast. Really appreciate it. My pleasure um my name is jesse corwin um i've been in music and media business for gosh uh 23 24 years which makes me feel really old um uh it was a sort of interesting start you know uh graduated college had always been in bands and playing music uh moved to new york city after college um and was playing in bands but working in sort of the first wave of internet uh entertainment businesses with a company called heavy.com which was like youtube and vice before youtube and vice existed so then um you know i know we'll sort of dig into this stuff later but yeah then uh helped to uh, found and became a partner at a company called jingle punks which revolutionized production music Um, in the uh, early 2000s and and, uh, then have now started a new company called Slipstream. Um, And I'm the CMO and one of the co-founders. And the mission here is to uh, help people use music. And that can mean a lot of different things, which we'll dive into. But I think, you know, our core idea, the central thesis of the company is that music isn't just listened to, it's used. And so that is uh, what we're about. So thanks Great. For that.
0: You just gave us a whole summary of the whole yeah. interview. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I, we can go into more detail.
0: I... <laughs> Absolutely. Love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, you know, uh, I want you to take us a bit back, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Back when, how did it all start with the music? Something that you were passionate about when you were a kid, young, you know, yeah. living with your parents. How did the whole thing start? If you can give us a little bit of, of history and we can bring mm-hmm. it down to the future. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Um... I think it was like two things. One, um, actually, maybe three things. One, my parents were very into music. Uh, They were hippies, you know, and they had an amazing music collection and would tell me stories of seeing The Doors and Jimi Hendrix and The Beatles and The Stones. And and, and so that was sort of lying in wait there. But uh, my mom's from Nashville, Tennessee, so grew up going to Nashville all the time, going to the Grand Old Opry, saw... I had the good fortune to see a lot of amazing musicians play there, like Roy Akiff and Bill Monroe. Um,
0: just incredible. So you grew up with music. You've been fed music. Yeah. I love this. And this then, is amazing. And
1: then, yes. um, not to date myself again, but um, there was a, a channel. I grew up in Connecticut, um, and there was a channel uh, that we got from New York called Pix 11, and on Saturday mornings, they would play – I know the Uh,
0: channel, Fix Eleven, yes. (laughs) They would play
1: like two different things. They would play Kung Fu movies and they would play Elvis movies. And Uh I loved them, but I really loved Elvis. And so at about eight years old, the first record I ever bought was an Elvis Greatest Hits. And I was so obsessed. I would comb my hair. I don't have as much, as much (laughs) hair. But I would comb my hair back then into a pompadour. And so, yeah, that sort of like kicked it off. And then when I was 13... I, I'm pretty tall and I was playing a lot of basketball, but I broke my leg very badly. And so I had to find something else to do. And I started playing guitar and a bunch of my friends started at the same time. I was the only one who stuck with it. And then I had the good fortune of having some other friends in high school who were super into music and not only playing and writing music, but recording music. Mm-hmm. So I go to my friend's house every day and write songs and record songs. And that sort of just, never left me. Um, Wow. And so, yeah. And then, like I mentioned in the sort of opening, I played kind of through college, but I wasn't in any bands or anything. Mm -hmm. I was just writing by myself. And then I went to New York and I got a job at heavy.com. Like I mentioned, and um, one of my good friends, Jared Goodstadt, who was one of the founders of Jingle Punks, which is the company I mentioned also, he was like, Hey, do you want to be in my band? And I, and I said, well, what, like, what, what do you need me to do? And he's like, you got to play bass. I was like, I don't play bass. I play guitar. And He's like, ah, same thing. And then I listened to the music and it was amazing. It was, uh, all the music was written by this guy, Mike story. The band was called the Izzy's, um, I Z Z Y S and mm-hmm. it was right around 2001, which was sort of like that garage rock explosion of the strokes and the vines and the hives and white stripes and all that. So there was a frenzy, Uh, feeding frenzy for that with all the labels in New York City it was a really awesome scene and uh, yeah we had a great run and and it just I was in bands ever since and then Jingle Punk started and yeah I mean it's just it's kind of crazy like my poor parents they paid all this money for me to go to a a top school and then I quit my first job to go on tour with the band and then I kept playing music all the time and I was always more interested in being in the bands than a career and so they must have been like what are you doing <laughs> you know and then with jingle punks that was really lightning in a bottle where jared and then his co-founder who's now uh, also a co-founder at Slip, slipstream uh, this gentleman dan dan demole mm-hmm. who came from like a, a tech background they had this idea uh which they formulated at a black keys concert i was there with them um about revolutionizing how production music meaning music that gets used in in media Mm-hmm. play into tv shows and at the time it was all trafficked on cds and hard drives uh which seems crazy now and so jared was like would be great if there was like a itunes for production music spotify didn't exist but
0: wasn't there some other companies also back then there was I remember Yeah, correctly, yeah. There was
1: a lot of big i mean apm and uh pump audio was um extreme there was a lot of uh david vanicor it was sort of like there have been people who had been in it like you yeah. know, for a while, but they all just sent CDs around, you know, and hard drives yeah. their music and sort of it was very relationship driven. Um but Jared had the foresight to go, oh, there's probably a better delivery method based on like the technology evolution that we're seeing. And Dan had the capability to build that initial code and write the code to to build what was called the jingle. For a
0: platform. It was,
1: it was very, it's, I mean, from a business entrepreneur standpoint, it was interesting because we would go into rooms. This is when you know you have a hot product. Like we would go into a room and say, hey, you know how you want something that sounds like Coldplay, but you can't afford Coldplay? Well, just type Coldplay here. We pull up the website. You wow. type in Coldplay. And then all this music, We We went to all these bands, right? This is how everything sort of like, you sort of set the foundation for success, right? So all these bands that Jared and I had toured around with and played with, he had gone back to them and gotten all their music because most of them hadn't been signed. And they gave us all this music. So it built this catalog of of not stock music, but actual music from real bands. And Dan built this amazing algorithm that allowed, the music to be tagged with cultural metadata. So people would go, yeah, I want Coldplay. And then the music would pop up and it would sound like Coldplay. And then sold. Right. And like, it was the easiest sales pitch of your life. So, um, and then, yeah. And then we sold that company. Um, you know, first we sold to a majority to, uh, Endeavor, um, which was awesome, uh, to meet Ari and Patrick and all those folks there. Um, super educational. And then, um, we sold hundred percent of it. Like a, a buyer came around from Canada.
0: Oh, which uh, company?
1: Uh, it was called Olay entertainment. Now it's called Anthem entertainment. It's uh-huh. a, it's a pub, independent publishing company backed by the Ontario teachers pension fund. Um, and they <laughs> own rush catalog and a bunch of Timbaland tracks and
0: wow.
1: one, and all the stuff. And then they were into production music. And so they and bought- wanted
0: the platform. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so
1: they bought out Endeavor, and they bought out our remaining equity. We had an out. We finished that, and then um, while we were there, we had seen obviously the explosion of the creator economy. Had been in a lot of the early MCN deals. Before. But wasn't
0: uh, there's a company from Brooklyn, if you remember, called Sync uh, Tank? If am I, yeah. am I, am I? You know Joel and all these guys. They came out yeah, with I'm the whole. Sink- yeah yeah platform idea and there was a lot of other companies popping up and i thought you were part of them first you know for a minute but you guys no. had the, your own jingle punks had their own platform
1: yeah that's right yeah, yeah. we were the first cloud-based search engine for yeah music. did they copy your style these guys the sing thanks say hey let's yeah, do the same I mean, and just provide have, the platform jared and dan have patents on that yeah and, you know being a patent troll i don't think is like the thing they wanted to do, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it, but it was
0: around the same time where I was it, trying it to do business before. with you guys. I, mean, I remember in
1: 2008, they were, I think, more around 2012, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that they're, if I recall correctly, I haven't seen their tech in a minute, but their big thing was like being able to audition tracks with a video player. In mm-hmm. the, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, then obviously, ev- all of our competitors at the time switched over to building these sort of cloud-based search engines.
0: Yes. And I have to say, man, I mean, from your journey, what do you explain to me? It's been music since day one for you. It's always, you followed your passion, which is something amazing. You always, I always say, follow your passion. Yeah. And it's been music, music, music from the beginning. When you were traveling to Nashville, you're young, and going next door to your neighbors or your buddy's house and writing music and playing and all of that, Mm. all the way till now. So... I would say a music encyclopedia. You're a walking music encyclopedia
1: over here. Maybe
0: <laughs> the, the knowledge you acquired, you earned yeah. it. You, you really earned it. I have to say.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. You played a pivotal role uh, at Jingle Punks. Yeah. Which has uh, which was acquired for hundred million. I don't know, plus or just a hundred million. Uh, could you tell us about the transition from Jingle Punks to founding Slipdot Stream? And what led you to start your own venture? Like you sold one. So what made yeah. you say, hey, I want to?
1: Yeah. So, uh, like I was <clears> saying, sold it. We had to, you know, when you sell a company, they don't just give you all the money, they give you some of the money. And then you have to do what's called an earnout, where you have to hit the numbers that you projected during the sale. And so um, we had to do that for five years. And then not
0: to interrupt you, if you no. just hold that thought, is no. that a common thing? Sometimes I hear it. Sometimes I don't. People say, no, we just got paid. But they want yeah, us I mean, a as the CEO to fund us to work for two, three years just to run the company, but yeah. not the, the payout. But is that yeah. a common thing with the payout?
1: Yeah, it's pretty common, right? Um, I mean, it's all negotiation in terms of like... Um,
0: okay. How do you negotiate your deal?
1: Yeah. But I mean, generally speaking, when people... If people are... It depends if it's like an asset purchase or if they're acquiring the business. If you're acquiring a business and the business success is predicated on key personnel, you obviously don't want to lose that key personnel. So you have to incentivize them to stay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And a good way to do that is to withhold uh, the money uh, (laughs) until they hit certain milestones. Also, you know, when you, when you do a valuation on your company, um, yes. You know, you make certain projections about future values and future earnings. And so, you know, when they if the buyer accepts those those projections and that valuation, they want you to prove out that you were right. Right. Mm -hmm. um, And
0: how they do it back then and now is it by five or by times 10? If you what know what you, I mean, you mean the, like what's, the earnings, what's, like, yeah, let's say you're earning a certain amount, they'll say, okay, times uh, I mean, five years or times-
1: then, I mean, back then, the, it depends a bit. I mean, in terms of music publishing, I think it depends a bit on what the assets are, you know, yeah. if it's uh, massive hits, you know, I mean, you're seeing, uh, you know, I don't know what it's trading at currently today, but I mean, you've seen companies like Hypnosis and, you know, yeah. company, Pay 16 to 22 times. Wow. NPS. wow. But that's because I think I, mean, I always tell Oof. people like music copyrights are the most valuable IP commodity there uh-huh. is because wow. of, of how evergreen they are. They are, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, social media content, maybe you watch it a couple times. Maybe, usually once, because it's so ephemeral. Mm-hmm. Your favorite TV show, maybe you watch it twice or three times. You know, maybe you go revisit season. I don't know. Like, it depends. But with
0: music is that, endless.
1: Yeah. And then your favorite movie, maybe you watch it 50 times a cool. hundred times. But your favorite song, you listen to thousands yes. of times forever. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. And so, well, you know, <clears throat> there's just, and there's just a lot of, there's a lot of applications for music. Yeah. So, anyway, that's why it trades at that production music typically traded back then anywhere from eight to fourteen times, and yeah. like now it's probably six times. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's it, it, it. Look, the market
2: mm-hmm.
1: fluctuates, but you know we don't want to
0: get off the question i appreciate the info yeah, i mean a lot, a lot of our lot. viewers will find this very insightful because not all this information available out there so firsthand yeah. talking to somebody an entrepreneur successful talented smart a person like yourself who sold the company yeah. uh for 100 million and the dream of everybody you know everybody in the, whoever starts a business in the music like yeah i do want to have success and sell my company for 100 million but a lot of them they don't know the logistics and what goes into it like do you sell it the cash out and just go hang out on the beach the next day what do you do
1: yeah no, uh, it's not it's not that easy i mean yes i mean some people are lucky enough to have a company where they don't care about the yeah. upfront payment is enough um mm-hmm. but we were fortunate and it was a great uh you know great opportunity
0: and well deserved my friend congrats really um now i know part of the question i ask is what made you you and i guess one of your co-founders at uh uh, the previous company that you got sold uh, to start Slip.Stream? And what was yeah. the the uh, motivations like, hey, let's start another company. Yeah, yeah, I
1: mean, we were, I mean, it was kind of a, a twofold. Like one, we had wanted to do something like this at Jingle Punks. Mm. Um, the CEO of our parent company at the time felt like it was too uh, much of like a venture type business rather than, an extension or like a a forward-looking view into the Mm -hmm. music business as a whole Mm -hmm. Um, and so we felt like well we could stay and just sort of mind the store so to speak and not be able to innovate or do anything new Mm -hmm. or we could go off and you know take on some more risk and and work hard and work for ourselves and create another opportunity and I think that's Ultimately, uh, that's what we decided to do was, hey, we really think that the, the world is headed toward to a place where everyone is a creator. Yes. Everyone is, everyone will be able to be a musician. Yes. And, you know, we live in a sound on world where music gets used. Let's create a platform for people to come and use music legally, mm-hmm. safely, uh, you know, equitably. Um, and so that's why we started it.
0: Amazing. Um, with Slip.Stream, you're, uh, you're envisioning a creator economy uh, where music can be used easily and without fear. Yeah. What impact do you hope it will have on the creators and musicians?
1: <clears throat> Look, I think, like I said, I mean, people use music in different capacities now, right? They use yes. it in their videos, they use it in their posts, they, you know, use it in podcasts, they use it in apps they use it in advertising they i mean they use it to make new music they use it to make radios so i think that the goal is to allow everyone an opportunity to pursue their own passion whether that's you know making any of the kinds of content i just listed off and giving them the ability to license high quality music that they need to make those things amazing Mm -hmm. um and be able to monetize it safely without violating copyrights or being hit with claims or strikes or things of that nature. Um, and, um, I think for musicians, it's an opportunity to increase discoverability and to generate new revenue. Right. Um, we pay out a royalty, a platform royalty to, to the musicians that put their music on our site, Mm -hmm. the, uh, the downloads they get from our paying subscribers. Um, and um we also generate syncs for them um and then there's also uh revenue generated by usage on the platforms some people don't use the music the right way <laughs> and so there are there is content ID revenue there's revenue from TikTok there's you know if we're distributing it for you there's revenue from DSP so so you
0: have a distribution side also for yeah, Slip.stream? that stream
1: yeah we didn't yeah we we the, the, the pyramid of rights that we have on the platform is like an owned catalog, um, a distributed catalog, and then, uh, you know, commissioned music. And then there's sort of partnerships where we grab what we call the creator rights. So Mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, the core constituents that we have are making content on social media platforms. And Mm -hmm. so as long as we're able to adjudicate the rights, for those different platforms like YouTube content, ID, audible magic for, uh, Twitch or within TikTok CML, then we're good to go. You
0: know, but you're not so, doing like Spotify, Apple, Amazon, none of that.
1: Not, These not are, really. I mean, not, not focus
0: on social media for the micro licensing. Yeah, I
1: mean, okay. Like we do distribute our own music to those, to, to those DSPs. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases we have distributed, uh, For uh, on behalf of uh, third parties, but that's not really the core focus uh, of your
0: business. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And do you have direct deals, or you go through uh, aggregators? If you don't mind me asking, you don't have to answer. Just curious. We have a
1: partnership with uh, with other another company that has the pipes. Quote unquote. And then, um, in terms of like the creator rights platforms, we have direct access. Right. Content ID, having your own CID, CMS is something that's very difficult to get. Mm-hmm. They hand them out. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think that is, you know, something that, that is unique to the company.
0: Um, Stream has quickly gained traction with over 400,000 users, which mm-hmm. is very impressive, and mm-hmm. a catalog of 70,000 songs. Yeah. How did you and your team manage to achieve such a rapid growth?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's through um, I mean, A, we came in it wasn't like we were just off the street like we had a deep expertise in the world of publishing and licensing, so Mm -hmm. we were able to acquire catalog, I think a lot quicker and more economically than existing players in the space Mm -hmm. uh, which allowed us to enter the market with a sizable library Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we also entered, you know, not at the beginning of the wave, but there's still a wave of the creator economy. So we were able to ride that a bit and then also capitalize on some library fatigue from our competitors, you know, like Epidemic Sounds or Artlist. Keep mm-hmm. around for a while. People kind of run through the tracks. It's a common thing in the production music space for people to be like, oh, I've used everything that I like in this library. Let me find something new. So I think... That's part of it, and then just you know the product itself, I think is really high quality music, amazing features, um, and because of our ability to acquire music at a at a good price, we're able to pass those savings on to to the customer so um, yeah, I think those are the reasons why we,
0: we very, very interesting, yes, um, can you share some of the key partnerships? and collaboration that Stream has established with artists and companies t-pain sony music ride games and how do these partnerships benefit both the creators and users of the platform sure. yeah.
1: yeah i mean i think for like artists like grimes or t-pain yeah. um when there's actually this other guy nefx yes. familiar with who's He's pretty cool. Yeah. He's not super well-known from like yeah. a popular music standpoint. Yeah, He's generated over 4 billion streams for his music through giving it away Yes, to, to, to creators. Um, I think, for for look, artists always want people to be able to use their music. Yeah. They want to hear their music in people's creations. They want to enable fans to use <clears> their <throat> work, right? And that's why the, the Grimes... Uh, partnership specifically with her and her AI platform is so interesting and so cool because the purpose behind that is while other companies tend to build walls on their copyrights Uh and their likeness she is going in the opposite direction and saying look AI isn't going anywhere. Let's lean in. Let's figure out all the bad stuff. Let's first while we can before it's too late and let's also use it as a way to enable greater connection greater engagement with fans and so her ai music is really like fan generated content if you will uh-huh. um, and her manager and uh, business partner down to leonard he he told me something the other week which was ubiquity is the new exclusivity so i think they understand that like now you need to be everywhere, right? You, correct. you need to be in the gaming world. You need to be in, on TikTok world. You need to be in YouTube world. You need to be uh, in, in television. I mean, you need to be all over the place, right. For people to uh, know who you are, to know your music. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's what they get out of it is the access to uh, as an artist, they get access to our creators, our, uh, uh, you know, enterprise clients. Um, you mentioned Riot. Um, yeah. You know, and you mentioned Sony. Sony is an investor, right? So I think for them, they're, you know, they're curious to see sort of what does this sort of consumer-facing platform look like from a from a for a label.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for Riot Games, uh, one of our uh, our best enterprise clients. I mean they're a su- video game publishers are always the most innovative. So for them it enables them to soundtrack all of their esports mm-hmm. live broadcasts, their marketing, um they get a bolt-on music department essentially. So outside yeah. of like the big commercial music that they licensed, they now have uh, a company that can create custom music for them because we do custom too. Um has this platform to enable their their vast uh a crew of people that are making content every day. So I think it's and for the art and then for the regular musicians who are, you know, putting their music in, it, it, they get exposure to all of these, these folks. So, um, yeah, that's what I think. All well, of-
0: you mentioned earlier, a pyramid of, of rights that, yeah. uh, you know, slip stream has when music comes in for yeah. such artists, uh, excuse me for mispronouncing uh, her name Grimes yeah. earlier, but, um, any exclusivity or really, I mean, how does that work for certain artists that they come in and they say, okay, our music is exclusive with you guys, we'll slip that stream.
1: Yeah. Or there's no I mean, exclusivity.
0: Because you mentioned also the music has to be everywhere, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, without going too deep into the yes. tracks, like, it's not that we we don't own the masters or control yeah. those, all those rights. So... And, and frankly, neither does she. Right, the deal with the artists that use her platform is they get to own that master. Correct. Right? So these are all art. These artists have all opted in to yes. stream as an endpoint. point, yes. Specifically around the idea of the creator economy mm-hmm. right? and use on social media. And we're most not, of it, a lot, a lot. Sorry, going out go there trying to get it into like, you know hbo shows or netflix or anything like that i mean if, yeah. if netflix came to us and found it on the platform we would be able to negotiate that sync but it's not the the main purpose
0: got it a lot of instrumentals or a lot of also vocals songs full-fledged you know songs a lot of instrumentals
1: um it's majority i would say are instrumentals i mean got it. there are a lot of vocal tracks as well i mm-hmm. think Creators tend to w- say they want vocal tracks, and then they end up using instrumentals because, you know, I mean, when you're making content that has dialogue in it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: y- you really can't have a vocal track sit underneath it. Uh, Got it. it. Competes with the dialogue too much. So correct. You know, it's we have a healthy mix. We're always acquiring more every week. <clears throat> um, supply is not the issue. <laughs> There's plenty of music. There's a lot of music being made. (laughs) Yes. Uh, We've
0: mentioned that Sony Music is one of your partners. Mm -hmm. And more recently, Universal has entered this arena and providing sound and music for creators. I'm sure you know about it. Everybody does. Uh, From your perspective, uh, what sets uh, Slip.stream apart from other services in this space?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that they are coming at it from like a pure, more almost like production music 1.0 perspective, where it's just, hey, find the music and then here's the license and then you're done. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I think what sets us apart is that, and some of these things are going to be rolling out, mm-hmm. is we are going to provide the most expansive way to use. Music uh-huh. of anyone. And that will include music creators in addition to content creators. It will involve AI. Um, and so I think that it's not so much just about like dumping old catalog onto a platform and charging a subscription, because I think anyone can do that. But uh-huh. I think it's about having an extreme focus on like a core principle, uh, in for us, that's music is used, not just listened to.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, the music industry is known for its challenges and setbacks. Uh, Can you share a difficult moment you faced in your space or in your career? I'm sorry. And, uh, how you overcame it?
1: Sure. I mean, I think, um, You know, I've been sort of blessed on the entrepreneurial side to not have too many challenges that stand out. I mean, obviously there's challenges that that involve things like Mm -hmm. fundraising and, you know, clients and things like that. But those are sort of, I think, to be expected. Mm -hmm. But I think early on, you know, just being in bands was sort of like a very, um, in the challenge that came with that, like learning to collaborate with others having record deals within your grasp and then not come to fruition and dealing with that sort of like disappointment and failure so to speak but Mm -hmm. having like a persistence with it i think is is what led me to overcome it you know but Mm -hmm. first band right we recorded by many labels um i mean We flew to John Peel. I don't know if you remember John Peel, the sort of influential British DJ for Radio One who, I mean, he broke Nirvana, White Star, I mean, all these bands, right? And they would do the Peel session. We flew over there. We were getting courted by labels in the UK. I mean, it was was insane. And then it all sort of just imploded the way uh, bands often do through like disagreements about who did what and who why who's responsible and who which deal to take and all these things and then it just all went poof and so I think just staying true to like my passion for the music and then just continuing to persevere um which you did start something new right I started another band yes kind of took off too and so it was like oh I can just keep starting new things right I have that, that yes capacity within me And that bleeds over into business too, right? There's always challenges, especially like in the current capital environment we're in, you know, Slipstream is not without its challenges either. Um, And so, you know, being able to draw on that persistence and perseverance is is key.
0: Yes, Um, you know, thanks for sharing. This is very inspiring. Uh, In your opinion, what are some of the common misconceptions people have about the music industry uh
1: that uh they shouldn't have to pay for any music and it should be free <laughs> 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 no i mean uh, uh you know you always get some people who, you know back in the day you like i want to use the beatles in this like tv show but they won't let me like they say it's a million dollars that's crazy and you're like yeah that's how publishing and music licensing works like <clears throat> you know I, so i think there's a misconception a about sort of the glitz and the glamor of it. I mean, obviously you see these big bands and pop stars and rappers, you know, living this sort of very lavish lifestyle and there are sort of those perks to it. But I mean, it's a grind, right? Like, yes. Having to, I don't think people appreciate the grind that goes into all of that. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to really, have an extreme passion for what you're doing because there's a lot of days and nights where it's not that glamorous and you're having you have pressure on you, you have to perform, you don't feel good, you gotta travel here, you gotta you have a million people who are depending on you. You know, sometimes you're there's things out of your control, whether it's trends or the labels or the support you get. So I think, you know, it's not necessarily specific to the music industry, but I think a lot of people always assume that people who have achieved success had it happen overnight and that they didn't have to really do anything, it just happened. Yes, aren't they lucky? But everyone, I think, in this industry has had to grind real hard.
0: It's part of it, the grind, daily grind. Yeah. Um, As you know, collaboration is often a key element in the music world. Could you share a memorable collaboration story or someone you worked with who left an impact on you?
1: Yeah, back at, at Jingle Punks, we worked with um, this gentleman named Pooh Bear. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, uh songwriter, uh, wrote a bunch of Justin Bieber's hits. Uh, sure. I mean, he's worked with everyone. He's super talented, super great dude. Um, yeah. And got to collaborate with him on a number of projects. and. It was really the first time that I had been around someone with that kind of like vocal arrangement songwriting, like melody Mm -hmm. chops, you know? I mean, I had always been in rock bands where it was very riff oriented or um, you had to kind of like be in a room and jam it out to kind of get to a song. But mm-hmm. seeing someone at that level, at the top of their game, just write vocal melodies in a room with no instrument, but their voice was, was pretty amazing. Wow. Interesting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, technology has significantly changed the music landscape. How have achievements uh, or advancements in technology influenced your work and the music industry as a whole?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, you know, both companies, Jingle Punks and Slipstream sit at the intersection of music and technology, mm-hmm. um, both from like a distribution mechanism and, um, uh, you know, the types of music that we are ingesting
2: and mm-hmm.
1: and distributing, right? Um, You know, back in my day, you had to learn how to play an instrument and jam on that in your bedroom for ten thousand hours and then be in a garage or a, or a rehearsal space and go play a million shows and then
2: mm-hmm.
1: shit happened for i'm oh, sorry then stuff happened for you it's right. um, um but i think um you know now it's been democratized so much yes that anyone can be a musician and now you're seeing it enter this new wave of like uh, there's a company that we're working with called Make, M-A-Y-K, Yeah, and they talk about the consumerification. I'm butchering their their term for it, but yeah. um, basically the AI tools and all these things be- allow people to just type in prompts, have songs generated, curate which ones they like, you know, sing some to- sort of top line over it that gets, you know, adjusted by AI and boom, you have a song that you own, right? And, and so how do
0: you guys work with them in a sense where they implement their platform, part of your platform and they, yeah,
1: yeah it hasn't come out. hasn't been implemented yet, but we're in the process of doing that. Um, I think that the music that gets made through these platforms is very interesting. Like it's mm. really, it's very really ticked. It's like its own genre. It's mm. not, <laughs> it's not a genre that we've ever heard of. It's like a TikTok genre of, of, I guess, meme music is like a simple way to put it. So I think it's interesting just to explore new forms of music. So
0: this type of music is basically used for, um, commercials movies uh, things like this or like let's say a company comes in and say hey we want to create our own music we go to slip.stream or is it for artists yeah
1: actually i mean we're not there yet where we're going to be doing generative music i don't think Mm. that's you know that's down the line but i think partnering with a company like make that already has that mechanism in place it's not about shows and things of that nature it's that people non-musicians who have come to their platform to make a song to use in, in their TikTok video,
0: videos or in their content. Yes. We are going yes.
1: to explore the potential the the potential utility mm-hmm. of that music outside of that person's video. So mm-hmm. I don't really know. I mean, I think it's an interesting experiment, mm-hmm. you know, to say, "Hey, what kind of utility or functionality does this music have?" For other people, could be individuals, could be small businesses, could be our enterprise clients. Mm-hmm. Will they find a song in there? I mean, everyone obviously uses TikTok a tremendous amount. Yeah. Will they find a song that that fits their ethos and what they're trying to do on these channels? Maybe. I, you know, I think it's, I think it's a cool thing to try. I love what they're doing, so I'm excited.
0: Wow, great! <laughs> um, how do you stay updated, Jesse, uh, with the latest trends, innovations? or changes in the industry and how important it is to continue to learn.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any special sauces. I'm doing what everyone else is doing, which is reading trades, listening to podcasts, looking at, you know, X, you know, threads to sort of see what people are turning out, exploring Mm -hmm. myself, trying things, testing things. I think, um, Building a habit of curiosity is super important. Right. Um, you know, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily cultivate. It's not something that just yes, some people just have an innate curiosity all the time, mm-hmm. but I think it can be cultivated. Um I, personally for me, it comes from reading, right? Like I am an avid reader of books, so in addition to all of the social media and online content I consume, uh, books are a big part of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's just the way that you do it, right? If you build those habits of trying to learn new things, um, that will help you out, right? Because ultimately, you know, most industries, most products will become obsoleted at some point unless you're like, investing in technology or exploring what that yes. will be.
0: You know, a lot of our listeners will be watching the show and they're going to be extremely inspired by your entrepreneurship and your constant learning and evolving. And, and you know, you just never give up uh, on the dream and the passion. Any uh, tips that you would kind of give and assist some of these people who want to follow similar path as you took in life and how you, and where you became to
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like in terms of my path, you know, um I think it's just about trying to build a network of people and kind of I mean, not to sound cliché about it, but it is true like who you surround yourself with sort of heavily influences the path that you end up taking mm-hmm. you know? so, right. you know, I think you have to look at your like immediate network of people who who's in your sphere of influence and try and just i mean I did internships I took j- jo- anything to sort of get your foot in the door to like begin to build those relationships yes, it's key because it's all relationship driven and then if you're a musician i mean. One of the other fellas that I had the pleasure of working with, the Jingle Punks, is Jelly Roll, who's, you know, having like a massive moment.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and, you know, whether he's winning, you know, I'm sure he'll probably win a Grammy uh, coming up, but he won, you know, he's just the biggest country artist in the world right now. Well, wow. yes. Know? Um, and he, his, like, I think the reason why he broke through is, authenticity of who he is, right? He always was like he never wavered from that. And then I mean, talk about grinding, right? Like building that engagement, you know, with your audience and your fans and consistently very important. Uh stuff to consume, music, videos, interacting with them and building just a community, I think is really what you're gonna have to do going forward. You don't need, I mean Labels are like banks and like promoters, right? And mark. Correct. But you can do it on your own, so to speak. Um, you still have to have a team around you <laughs> of like collaborators yes. and stuff. But I think cultivating your own community is going to be uh, provide a lot of opportunity for artists.
0: Yes. Yes. I like what you said earlier. You said uh, whoever you surround yourself, they'll influence the direction and where you're going. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a cliche thing that everyone says, but it is true. Well, it is true.
0: As they say, uh, OQP, only quality people. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, I'm sure our listeners are going to find all of this very insightful and very helpful, incredibly helpful, I would say. Uh, Before we wrap it up, anything you'd like to promote on Slip.Stream or any new project, any new partnership, just for our listeners and our users probably, they'll listen, they'll you know, you want to promote?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mentioned a few things that are coming out the pike in terms of, like, the collaboration with Make, Make, the tools that we're going to be developing. Um, I don't really have anything specific to say other than, you know, if you're wanting to use music in any of your creations, um, come to uh, www.slip.stream, check out the platform. I think you'll find that we have a lot of really cool stuff, uh, a lot of really high-quality music, and there's a lot more to come in terms of how you'll be able to use music effectively in content or your own music creation. So, so
0: slip.stream is the way to go for that's musicians right. and users. Absolutely. Great. There's a
1: way if you want to get your music on the platform, you, know, yes. you can contact us there too.
0: Absolutely. Great. Well, I'm sure all your listeners listen to that, please. If you're a musician and you want to get your music out there, slip.stream is the way to go. And Jesse is one of the co-founders. Um, you know uh, great things always have to come to an end unfortunately but I would say thank you for joining us today and this concludes today's episode uh, of Soundbreaker please make sure to follow us on uh, socials and stay tuned for our new episode see you and thank you very much this podcast is presented by Music Dash world's first AI powered independent distribution CMS If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to share the Soundbreaker podcast. And if you are joining us on YouTube, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time.